Aretha has nothing on that. Man, wow. Say a little prayer for you. I think that's got uh, soul. Uh, you know, that song uh, really speaks to an uh, attitude that's full of gratitude. You know, an attitude that I believe kind of spills from your soul because it's filling your, your soul. You know, we've been looking at uh, some soul songs through, through this series uh, and looking at songs in, in Scripture, particularly looking at the, the Psalms. It's part of uh, Scripture known as the wisdom literature. And these songs that we're looking at, I think, speak to issues in the soul. And today what we're going to focus on is uh, Psalms 112. You know, this psalm is going to be a lot like uh, Psalms 1 that we looked at the very first week. This psalm is contrasting two ways of living. And uh, in, in Psalms 112 that, that we're looking at today, there's this very vivid imagery and the, these two different images that point to two different ways of living in, in our lives. And so the, the psalmist here is shameless. He's shameless in his display of partiality. Uh, he's going to assign seven rewards to one way of living. And then he's going to show us one consequence to the other way of living. And so basically... He's tilting the scales here. He's saying, you know what? I am in favor of this one way of living, and I'm going to make sure that you get that and that you understand that. And I know some of you may be thinking, well, that's not fair. Maybe. But we're going to take a look at it, and then you, you can decide whether he's being fair or not. The, the psalmist starts out by telling us, how to get on the right path, on, on this right way of living. Starts out, verse, uh, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. The psalmist right away is going to tell us two things that we need. Two things that will launch us on the, this path that leads to a blessed life. He's going to say, these two things will bring life to your soul. That's fear the Lord and find great delight in his commands. Those are the two things. You know, fear the Lord, it, it's talking about the, being awed by God. You know, how many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? Just curious. So I remember uh, Cindy and I were on vacation and uh, we were in New York and we were heading home, and we said, hey, let's go by and see Niagara Falls. And I know it's not on the way home, but uh, we were like, yeah, why not? So we headed, headed up. And when we first got there, we, we saw the very first fall. And we're standing there, and we're kind of taking it in, and we're looking at it, and finally it was kind of, really? This is it? I mean, all the hype for, for this? And I'll be honest, we were a bit disappointed. But then we traveled a little bit further. And we realized we hadn't seen anything yet. The, the fact is, when we first saw the falls, I mean really saw them, it took our breath away. 
took a breath away. I mean, the, the scale, the, the color, the volume of, of water, the grandeur, it, it was awing. I mean, really, just uh, the, this, the grandeur of, of all this. I just kept thinking, wow, it's amazing. And it was overwhelming, and it was huge, and it was very, very majestic. I mean, it just was. And um, the psalmist is saying, when you understand who God is, when you really understand who God is, you will be in awe, because God is greater than anything you will ever imagine or ever encounter. Remember, uh, several years ago, I was asked to be a guest at the Lincoln Luncheon, and uh, the governor invited me to open the the session with, with prayer. And so, as we got closer to the time that the lunch was to be starting, the the uh, prominent people started showing up, the U.S. senators and the U.S. representatives, and they had a few dignitaries there, some high-profile business people, celebrities, and, and so they're being announced, and they're coming in one by one. And, and the rest of us, to show respect, we stood up and politely applauded. You know, whether you wanted to or not, you did. Yeah. And I remember watching, and it was, it was very evident. Uh, certain people walk in, and the applause would, would rise up. And I remember thinking in my mind, I, I wonder what would happen if God were to be announced. I mean, how, how would people respond? I mean, what if God showed up here today? I mean, what, what would happen? Well, friends, we would all respond. We would fall on our face. We would scream. We would shout. There would be a sense of, wow, amazing, awesome. I mean, everybody here would respond to God. And friends, when you know God, and you know God in a personal way, and you nurture your relationship with God, God's greatness, God's transcendence, God's power, God's sovereignty, his majesty, friends, your sense of awe, it just continues to grow as you get to know God. God blows me away sometimes. He's greater than anything. Nothing compares to God. You know, we talked last week about God's surpassing greatness that he surpasses absolutely everything. You know, Scripture records that the angels see God and they cover their face, they cover their eyes and say, holy, 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 24-7. They just cry out to God. Isaiah, Scripture says he was undone, that he cried out. The book of Revelation says that when we see him the first time in eternity that every knee will bow and every tongue confess, absolutely everyone will bow down. Fear the Lord. Hold him in the highest regard. Holy, worthy, awesome. There is no other like him in heaven or on earth. Nobody compares. The psalmist says, you will awe God. You will also, to get on that right path, you will need to delight 
greatly in his commands. Now, I'm going to be just kind of blunt here. This means you come to a point in your life where you actually believe that God is smarter than you. You know, you, you learn over time that God's ways are the best ways. You, you follow, you obey with, with joy, with great joy. Why? Because there is absolutely no doubt in your mind that he is smarter than you, way smarter, and that his ways are way better. I did a uh, camp, a uh, Christian camp, uh, years back. It was uh, baseball-oriented for uh, high school age. And... Uh, we were working on drills and techniques and skills and then talking about Christian character as well. But I remember the first day of camp, we, the staff was there, and they're working with the, these young men on defensive strategies. And so we had them on the field and basically just hitting them ground balls and stuff and telling them stay in front of the ball, just really working on basics, showing them some techniques and stuff. And so anyway, about midday... We got several kids, and I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but they started grumbling. <laughs> they didn't feel that they needed to improve. They thought they knew better than everyone else. And so a lot of them were going through the motions, and they, let's just say they were not happy campers that day. See, they just wanted to play ball. They just wanted to play a real game. They kept saying, let's just play a game, let's just play a game. The next day, Terry Pendleton joined us. Now, Terry, if you don't know, three-time gold glove, league MVP, and Terry was playing for the St. Louis Cardinals at the time. He was real early in his career, but he was already a star, and he had star power. Terry walked out on the field that morning, and the boys were in awe of him. And he said a few words, and then he said this. He said, boys... We're going to get back to basics. And he worked with them on their defensive skills the rest of the day. He critiqued them. He coached them. He showed them techniques for staying in front of the ball. And the boys were eating it up. I mean, if he said do something, they were attempting to do it. They were going to do everything they could to give him what he wanted, what he expected out of them. And they were doing it joyfully. And... I often wonder, well, what's the difference here? Terry had them doing the exact same things that we had them doing the day before. He ran them through the exact same drills. Terry did not get their negative attitude. You know why? Because there was absolutely no doubt in those boys' minds that Terry's ways were the better ways that Terry was way smarter than them when it came to baseball. And that he knew the right way. And so he worked with them all week. And at the end of the week, almost every kid there had greatly improved their game. See, what's it mean to find great delight in his commands? Friends, it is to know in your gut that God is so much greater and that God is so much smarter and God is so much more experienced and wiser 
that God's ways are so superior that when you get to that point, when that happens in your life, you obey with a joyful heart because you absolutely are positive it's the better way. Now, you did not hear me say, I did not say it's easy. I did not say it's simple to pursue. But when you fully, fully believe that God knows, you do it. Why? Because you, you trust. Because you trust. See, the psalmist is laying out these two different ways of living, and then he says, you know what? I'm going to tell you the benefits that you're going to occur as you move in the right direction, as you fear God, as you delight in God's commands. And I'm going to hit these real quick, but I would encourage you this week to just use this psalm as, as your devotion and maybe take it a verse a day of the, the rewards and just think about what, what's that mean? What's that mean in my life? And uh, But the psalmist here is going to say, this is what happens when you fear God and you take great delight in following his commands. He writes this. says, their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in their homes and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. God will come to those who are generous and lend freely, whose conducts, who conducts their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast. Trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph over their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in in what? In honor. You can remember that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. I mean, when I read that list, it's quite a list of blessings that are going to come to the person that's doing the two things, fearing God, honoring God, and delighting in his commands. You see, the the psalmist then is going to contrast that with someone who doesn't take God seriously, who kind of blows off God's commands. You know, and so we've got these these two worlds. He says, the wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longing of the wicked will come to nothing. When they get to the end of life, those that choose to do this with God, they're going to be disappointed. There's going to come a point where they realize they've screwed up. You know, two ways of living. Very vast, vastly different outcomes here. One way, people fear the Lord. They hold God in high regard. They delight in God's commands. They follow God's commands meticulously with passion. They, per- they pursue it. You know, one way, they're receiving a blessing, you know, a legacy. 
Their children are blessed. Their families are blessed. Their communities are blessed. Wealth and riches, hope, peace, prosperity, generosity, kindness, respect, honor. That's one way of living. And the other way, those that don't fear God, that don't hold God in high regard. You know, a, a way that ultimately, maybe not now, but ultimately, a, a way that leaves them feeling vexed, uh, feeling uh, frustrated, might be a better word, uh, angered, disappointed, disillusioned. The, the fact is, uh, I know some of you are thinking, well, wait a minute now. I know people who are faithful to God. It appears they're pursuing God. And things aren't very good in their life. And I also know people who have a disregard for God. They could care less about God. And it appears, when I look at their life, that they're being blessed. And you're going, well, what's up with that? Well, friends, the psalmist is describing the way that things generally work out. He's arguing that if you fear God, if you honor God, you begin to order your life around that in a manner that it makes it much more likely that it will result in honor and in being blessed in life compared to if you disregard God and God's wisdom and kind of do your own thing, you know, do life on your own. He says, that usually doesn't turn out well. I mean, do you believe that premise to be true? Do you believe that? Because the psalmist, when he's laying out all the blessings, it's interesting when you read through that and you really study it, he talks a lot in the financial realm here. He talks about wealth and riches and generosity and the the prosperity uh, as a whole of the family and and that person. And he focuses on that, I think, Okay, I don't know this for sure, but I think the reason why he focuses there is to get our attention. Because people go, I want to be blessed like that. I I do. The the psalmist seems to be suggesting that people who follow God full on will find a lot of blessings in their life. And one of the ways that they will be blessed is that financially they will become more healthy, okay? That it generally, the psalmist says, when you follow God, that's just the way things work in life, that things begin to fall into place. And you, know, you may be going, well, why? Why does it work out like that? Why, why that way? I mean, well, one, one thing that seems to be clear is that God's word from cover to cover is filled with some very solid, what I'll call doable, counsel on all kinds of areas of life. One of the areas that God speaks to is is finances. And, And so if you love God and you're pursuing God and you're obeying God's word, then as you go down that road, you get healthier and healthier in your life. And one of the ways, you become more financially healthy. And there's just the sense that as that happens, then you become more generous in your life. You, You have this freedom. 
that just happens, you get the stability in your life because of an initial decision that you make to say, you know what, God, you are first in every area of my life, and I'm going to delight in those commands. And I want you to follow with me, and I'm going to just take one area of our life, but give me a moment to illustrate what I'm talking about here. And we're going we're to kind of track this just area and uh, see where it takes us. If you were to give someone a Bible, all right, somebody that's never read the Bible, but they love God, and you give it to them, you say, you know what, I want you to start reading the Bible, and I want you to underline anything that speaks to where you're at in your life. Just uh, if it speaks to them, underline it. And so you give them the Bible, and you remind them as they're reading if they don't figure it out on their own, God's smarter than you. His wisdom is prominent and pertinent in every sphere of your life. So, so they're reading. They're reading God's word. And they, as they come across something that is just practical instruction, something that every Christ follower should be doing of how they should live. So they're reading, and one day they come across this scripture, Ephesians uh, the uh, fourth chapter, verse 28, says, anyone who steals, must stop it. He must work with his hands so that he will have what he needs and can give to those who need help. Now, a very simple translation of that would be, get a job. (laughs) If God's first... If we're going to delight in God's commands, if you're able, if you are physically able to do that, you should get a job. Even if it's not the perfect job, you should get a job. That's what God's, God's word says. Then maybe they come across Colossians 3.23, the apostle Paul writes this. He says, whatever you do, work at it with what? all your heart, as though you were working for the Lord and not for people. People who are following God full on should do exceptional work. You heard me talk on this topic a lot. We should distinguish ourselves in the workplace. We should distinguish ourselves by our diligence, by our competence, by our teamwork, by our character, so that as we're reading this, the person that's reading this for the first time goes, you know what? I need to step it up vocationally. So they keep reading God's word. And they keep applying God's word to to their life. And so they read this one day, Proverbs 3. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So this Christ follower, now you've got this person that they think God's smart, they're reading God's word, they go out, they get a job, they're working, and they're working diligently. Why? Because they're working for God, not, not for the company, not for the firm. And so they're, they're stellar in their character and, and in everything that they're doing. 
and then they get their paycheck, and because they delight in God's commands, they write that check to God. Why? To honor God. To honor God for the job. To honor God for the opportunity. Because God says, hey, first fruits, you know, the first 10% is mine. And so they give it, and they, they give it where they worship. Not begrudgingly, not because they're pressed, but because they're blessed and they're grateful and they believe God's ways are better than their ways. Now, if this person keeps reading, at some point they're going to come across 1 Timothy. It says, but if anyone does not care about their relatives, especially the members of their own family, they have denied the faith and are worse than unbelievers. If they're following God's wisdom, they're going to support their family faithfully. In other words, a person reading that goes, you know, I'm not supposed to run out and waste my money. I'm not supposed to waste it at the bar or the casino or whatever, you know, pick your poison there. That person's earning their money. They don't get their, their check and go, it's mine, it's just for me. No, they're going to do what they need to do to support and take care of their family. And so they keep reading. And now they're getting pressed. You know, First John 3 come, comes along and they go, suppose someone has enough to live and sees a brother or sister in need. See, you're getting pressed now. But does not help, then God's love's not living in that person. So this Christ follower, reading God's word, says, you know what, I need to help other people. In fact, joyfully, they step in and they help others that are in need. Where they see a need, when the Holy Spirit prompts them, they're just moved now. And they're redefining their life, re-evaluating, reorganizing their life. Then they read the Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 7. The one who borrows is a what? Slave to the one who lends. So they they see God's wisdom. Now, that Christ follower is thinking very, very carefully about debt. In fact, they they realize that as a Christian, they've been freed. They've been freed by the amazing grace of God. And they do not want to be in bondage. They know what that's like. They don't want to be having to deal with the pressure of mounting debt. And so they, they get on an agenda in their life. See, reorganization. And they go, you know what? I'm going to reduce the debt because I don't like being a slave to this stuff. And they do something very novel. They start living within their means. And then they read... Wise people save the nice things they have. Fools use up everything as soon as they get it. And they start connecting the dots now. It starts sinking up in their life. I mean, not only are they reducing the debt in their life, but now they're starting to actually put some away. Building the resources for the future. And then they read this, Proverbs 11. God hates cheating in the marketplace. He loves it when business is above board. So in their hearts, as they read that, 
they make a commitment. They make a commitment to God. They make a commitment to themselves. I will not take moral shortcuts. I will not do anything illegal to, to get gain. I will not deal in the gray. I'm not going there under any circumstance. It's not happening. I am going to honor God with everything that I do, including the way I do business. And then they're reading, when I was born into this world, I was born naked, had nothing. When I die and I leave this world, I'll be naked and have nothing. And that wisdom just hits them. And friends, I am convinced the older you get, the more you just go, absolutely true. And the more you change your life. But they keep reading. They decide to read the book of Timothy and they run across this. But those who want to get rich fall into temptation and are caught in a trap of many foolish and harmful desires which pull them down to ruin and destruction. And I think that person, when they would get to that point, would just thank God. You know, God, I've listened to your wisdom. I've avoided that trap. I got it right. In this area, God, I got it right. See, the psalmist, the psalmist is saying, as you fear God, as you are faithful in following God's commands, what he teaches on whatever area, this area that we just tracked, you know, how to manage your finances, your resources, your stuff, you know, that as you do that, as you delight in God's ways, as you're obedient in those things, it almost always results in better health in the particular area, this area of finances. It just is. There's a brighter tomorrow. You have a higher level of peace in your life, security, gratitude, generosity. It's just what happens when you run after God, when you pursue God, when you're faithful to, to God. It's true in every single area of your life. Pick, pick an area, see what God has to say. I guarantee you. There is a health that comes. Now back to Psalms 112. It says, if we fear God, if we are full on with God, he says all these blessings are going to come your way. And then he points to the big payoff. And it's found in Psalms, the, the ninth verse here. It says, the horn will be lifted high in honor. What's that mean? I mean, it's a strange comment. In ancient times, the soldiers, uh, they would go into battle, and they wore, wore a helmet for protection. But on that helmet, there's a piece of metal, and it went all the way down across the face. And it was there for, for protection. And so... When the men would come back from war in that day, when they were being welcomed home by family and friends, we've got this big gathering at the city gates waiting for them, they would unclip that piece of metal and lift it up. And so it looked like a big horn sticking out of their head. And it was a sign that they had been victorious. It was a sign of strength. 
And here's what I think the psalmist is trying to get us to imagine. That if you fear God, if you delight in God's ways, and you honor God by, by following all of his commands, that if you do it, if you're meticulous and faithful in every single area of your life, that there is a day coming that there is a parade coming. And that God's going to lift that horn, so to speak, and that you will receive honor for being victorious, for living God's ways, living the higher way, the better way in life. The psalmist is contrasting that to the end of life for those that dismiss God, that do their own thing, ignore God's ways, that they will find when they get to the end of life that they have been sucked into the world's values and they're going to realize that they have been had. You know why? Because they're going to see the celebration over there. They're going to see the celebration that is going on for those that have honored God with their life. Psalmist verse 10 says, The wicked will see and be vexed. They will gnash their teeth and waste away. The longing of the wicked will come to what? Nothing. Again, vexed is a weird word. But they're, they're, they're confused. They're dazed by the outcome. They're disappointed. In fact, they're just angry. And I got to guess a little bit heart sick because they didn't get it right. They didn't pick well. And the scripture says gnashing of teeth. We've all done this. It's that ultimate sign of regret. You ever done something and you knew and you're looking at what you got to face and you just, you grit your teeth and go, I blood. He says, that's what you're going to say. Just blood. The Bible says that some are going to get to the end and they're going to realize that they missed that whole plan God had. God's plan to bless them, to resource them, to protect them, to provide for them, they're just going to miss it. And it's this extreme contrast. You've got a victory parade over here. People celebrating, people receiving accommodation. And then you've got people over here gnashing teeth. What have I done? What have I done? And here's what I want to do. I want to close with some real direct words to you. And the first thing I want to say, and this may sound odd, but it's like, I love you guys. I mean, I do. I love you guys. And I love this church. And I absolutely want the very best for you, for your families for your children, for your grandchildren. You know, I want you to be a person that follows God full on. You know, I want us to be people that obey God in every area of our life. You know why? Because I want, when we get to the end of this life, 
for us all to be a part of that celebration in heaven, period. You know, that to have that moment where God looks at us, looks at you, looks at me, says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were victorious over the insane values of this world. And friends, because I love you, some of you need to retool your life. You need to sit down and reevaluate and reprioritize and make some changes in your life. You just, you just need to do it. I mean, if you want to experience full blessing of God, that unbelievable power, that amazing grace, what I want to do, I want to close this in prayer. And... Um, I'm gonna, there are going to be some people down front after we get done praying and if you want to kind of take it to the next level and come down and have prayer with them, you, don't, you can tell them what you want to tell them or not tell them anything, just ask them to pray for you. But what I want to do is have prayer and then us just leave quietly today. But um, if, um, as I'm praying... There's some questions that I really want you to take home with you, and this is between you and God, all right? And they're simple yes or no questions. And because I know us well, and because I know me well, (laughs) we tend to not want to give yes and no's. We want to go, yes, but, no buts, yes or no. And here they are. Do you really fear God? Seriously, do you? Do you really think God is smarter than you? Do you believe God's ways are better than your ways? Do you believe that? Is God first in everything in your life? Are you honoring God in every area of your life? Are you obedient in everything? Do you delight? Delight. Do you have joy in all his ways? Can you say yes to all those questions? Friends, it is the only way to live and it is a soul issue that has high High costs written all over it. Now let's stand, let's stand and have prayer together. God, we know there is a day coming. God, we're going to be in one of two places. We will either be at your throne celebrating or we're going to have a lot of regrets. God, I pray. I pray that we're around your throne celebrating. God, I pray for all of us that we have the strength to uh, be faithful to honor you 
with all we say, all we do, every area of our life. God, our marriages would be stronger. Our families would be stronger. Our nation would be stronger. We wouldn't be struggling. The anxiety and worry and fear. We, we would have peace. God, if we'd just pursue you, pursue your ways. God, forgive us those times that we stumble, that we forget how great, how awesome, how amazing you are. God, I pray that uh, today be the day that some would just bow a knee and say, no longer my ways, but your ways. Full surrender, full on, God. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the families, the individuals represented here, Lord. I pray that we would be pleasing in your sight, that we would be your people, that you'd be our God. And that people would notice it by the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we do business, the way we handle situations. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. Go in peace.